What is Up, Consumies? This is Jamie Lewis, host of the Consumed Podcast, where eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers sit at my creaky kitchen table and talk about life and flavor with me. You're at the table too. Thanks for joining us. Before I introduce today's guest, here's a little bit about sponsors of the Consumed Podcast. Do you want to be more intentional about the meat you eat and feed your family? Have you even considered giving up eating meat entirely because you can no longer justify supporting the inhumane and industrialized system that brings meat to your dinner table? If you're looking for a simple way to guarantee you always have access to healthy, sustainably farmed meat and wild seafood, the Larder Meat Co. is here to help. Since 2016, Larder Meat Co. has been delivering farm-raised beef, pork, chicken, lamb, and wild seafood sourced from right here in the Golden State to customers who demand the highest quality proteins as well as intentional sourcing standards and transparency. A convenient club box from Larder Meat Co. makes it easy to automate the most important part of your monthly food budget. You can build a custom box or choose from one of the many curated bundles that LMC offers. As a Larder Meat Co. customer, you are supporting the ever-dwindling ranching industry that has fed us for generations, and you're building a sustainable future for your family, our ranchers, and the planet. Use code CONSUMED at checkout to save $25 on your first subscription and check healthy farm-raised meat and wild seafood off your grocery list for good. That's LarderMeatCo.com. Promo code CONSUMED for $25 off your first subscription. Consumed is sponsored by Mid-State Containers, Cargo Storage Containers, and Refrigerated Shipping Containers for sale and rent in California. You may not understand how Mid-State Containers could change your life, but the truth is many, many guests on the Consumed podcast use Mid-State for their projects. Containers can serve as wine storage units for case goods for private collections and even tasting rooms. They can be refrigerated storage containers for breweries, kegs, and fruit during harvest for wineries. Mid-State Containers outfits coolers and freezers for ranchers, farmers market growers, orchards, and butchers. Containers can make great pop-up coffee bars and berry containers for root cellars. My guest from Season 10, Krista Flieger, from Lonely Palm Ranch, uses her Mid-State Container for an office on her property. Other ideas include schoolrooms, music and photography studios, and there are other things that can be grown, stored, and processed in a Mid-State Container, so use your imagination and get on their website to request a quote, midstatecontainers.com. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining local, organic, and non-GMO standards. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. With a mission to empower health and well-being in the community, they offer local produce, meats, low-to-no-waste foods, and wellness items. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop and visit Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. Okay, on to the episode. Kristen Telling is a homesteader and cooking instructor living in the countryside between San Luis Obispo and Los Osos. Her website's homepage reads... Be inspired, create boldly, eat well, cook like a lover, liberate yourself from recipes and cook with passion and creativity. And that's exactly what Kristen is all about. Simplicity, nourishment, something she calls ancestral eating, and compassion toward ourselves in the kitchen. She has developed educational content to help make that happen for cooks of all abilities, including a brazing masterclass video and a 42-page PDF guide on fresh ideas for ground beef all without a recipe. As a self-proclaimed recipe clinger, all of this was most interesting to me. Have a listen to my guest, homesteader and cooking instructor, Kristen Telling. Remind me the name of your website and your business. So my Instagram is Love Homestead, mm-hmm. which is Los Osos Valley. And then my products that I'm offering, I put under the heading of cook like a lover. That's so right. that's, it's not a silly separate business, but I don't, I don't know. I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm kind of winging it. So oh, good for you. Same. <laughs> Just Join the like club. Trying things and see what sticks. So, so maybe is, which one is the one that you have under the banner up almost like the masterclass, the brazing masterclass? That's cook like a lover. That's what I thought. Yes. Okay. So do you see that kind of more as like instructional, educational, and then the other one as 
sort of your farming and lifestyle and all that kind of thing. Right. Kind of like, yeah, my thoughts on things, my, our, our lifestyle, kids, um, kind of more on like health and ancestral eating and hmm. stuff like that. And then, um, yeah, the cook like a lover is just the, the classes, like the course and the PDF is the newest one that I release. It's just about ground beef and stuff. So hmm. kind of, yeah, those are more instructional. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you grow up? San Jose. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did you grow up in like in an, did you pay attention to ancestral eating and whole foods and all that growing up? Um, not consciously. My family was Italian and so food is always like a big deal for us mm-hmm. and we'd always have huge family gatherings with all of our extended family and food was like the center of that right so mm-hmm. um that was always really important my mom always loved to cook and she cooked so much from scratch and taught us to really love that um and then when I was um pregnant with my first baby actually my sister-in-law gave me a copy of nourishing traditions by sally fallon i don't know if you know i don't know it Uh -uh. um she founded the weston a price foundation weston a price was a dentist in like uh, early 1900s i think Mm -hmm. who um started researching dental health in various parts of the world and different tribes and places where people had beautiful gorgeous teeth and he was trying to figure out you know, what are these people eating? What's different about their lifestyle? Because in the Western world, in Europe, people were losing their teeth left right, and right, right. And he was trying to understand, like, what the core differences were. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, she sort of dug into his work and made it kind of into this foundation. And she wrote this mm-hmm. cookbook that's basically like an education. It's not just recipes. It's so much information all about kind of traditional eating and how our ancestors ate and kind of the importance of, um, animal products for, for human health and Mm -hmm. kind of talking about like how those things are, those vitamins are things that are bioavailable in animal products that are harder for us to get from plant foods. Mm. So when I read that book, that was kind of it, it wasn't a huge departure for me because I'd never been like vegan or anything. But when I read that, it just felt so right. And I was like, yes, this is what I have always really felt. Mm-hmm. Um, this really aligns with my values. And I really just loved it. And so that was when I kind of went all in and mm-hmm. got really into nutrition and health and cooking, um, cooking in that way. So Isn't that funny how one book can spin you out into this whole other area of interest. And it's like, yeah. it has to land at the right time right. in your life. Uh, and also just, you know, socially speaking or sociologically speaking, I guess mm-hmm. like it has to be at this certain season of life and uh, it can really change your life. Just one book can do yes. that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I was in that mode at the time of wanting so much to make sure that my baby is having optimal nutrition and mm-hmm. that I was caring for my body in the best way possible. So it was like the perfect timing for that and just kind mm. of, yeah, launched me into that. So When you say it lined up with your values, I mean, mm-hmm. what values would you say those are? Loving really good food. <laughs> <So> I, <laughs> hey, that's my value too. I'm thinking like French food and like a, a, a real yeah. Italian food. And those are things that historically people have always eaten and valued, you know, those animal products and the, uh, besides, you know, all the pasta in Italy. But mm-hmm. um, I love just the idea of not withholding good things mm-hmm. from our bodies and just these beautiful products are here for us these animals give us these gifts and instead of kind of having this um i I denying ourselves like Mm -hmm. this is not you know i don't think this is good for me or i shouldn't eat this or i i really love just like a wholehearted embracing of these things are here for us Mm -hmm. and it really resonated to me on that level and i think also just on a you know, kind of intuitive feeling like this is how people have always eaten. This is how our ancestors ate. Mm-hmm. And so I just really loved it. Yeah. For a lot of those reasons. So we're looking at a lot of whole foods. We're looking mm-hmm. at a lot of um, meat, poultry. Mm-hmm. Um, I would assume also like game and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Okay. Dairy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds to me like that maybe pushed you into an area of 
homesteading is that when that began yes exactly because then it's like you start finding out more about the processes of how your food is produced and how the animals are raised and started Mm -hmm. learning about how terribly so many animals are treated in our country and recognizing that whatever comes into that animal's experience whatever comes into their digestion you are receiving all that Mm -hmm. in what you receive when you eat from them so um that makes, you know, good care of animals and, you know, really knowing where your food comes from really important. Mm-hmm. So I really try to connect with local farmers, try to grow as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, right now that's difficult because I have a lot of things on my plate. You sure so we do. just do chickens right now and a mm-hmm. little bit of gardening. But um, in times past, we've lived in other areas and done more that if we could. But I just try to really support, you know, local farmers that are mm-hmm. doing that and who are really loving the animals and understanding how they how to care for them mm-hmm. and aren't just there to, you know, sell as many as cheaply as mm-hmm. they can, you know, raise them as cheaply as they can and giving them crap, you know. Yeah. Are so. your chickens right now are they meat chickens or egg egg chickens? So that's been an interesting experience because they're originally egg chickens, mm-hmm. but because we have rooster to kind of protect the hens because where we are we're out in the you're in the country fields yeah Yeah. and the roosters really help with the hens with production because they get they feel a little bit safer with the roosters around Mm -hmm. and so um Mm -hmm. what happens is we have a lot of chicks every year because those hens set the eggs and a lot of times they hide them from us so we don't necessarily plan how many chicks we get (laughs) and they just show up with all these babies and um, you know 40 to 60% of them are roosters. Oh my so gosh, that's so high. It's really, yeah. It seems like, it, I always say like it's way more roosters, but it's probably not. But it just feels like a lot of roosters. It feels like too many. It feels, it's definitely too many at 4 a.m. In, <laughs> in the summertime. Yeah, it's like, no. So, um, so we have to just, you know, we have to take care of all those roosters because otherwise we would be, mm-hmm. they just start crowing contests, you know, at yeah. 4am and it's just crazy. So, and also the hens would be bedraggled and <laughs> exhausted. Yes, they'd be exhausted. Yes. Yeah. So we have, so it, like twice a year right now is what we're working out. We just, we take, we do a harvesting day and we mm-hmm. kill the roosters and we've been working on, I would love to do more of a kind of a a sacred honoring of their sacrifice, hmm. but we haven't really gotten into that so much, mostly because I just feel like we're just trying survival mode. You are. So you much. You are, yes. But, um, but we do really take that really seriously and very mm-hmm. consciously and, you know, thank them for the gift of their life and that's going to nourish our bodies. And we talk about it with the kids and it's hard for the kids. It's hard for us. It is yes, not yes. easy. It's not just like, you know, something that we brush off. Mm-hmm. Um, but we believe that this is something that, you know, are, uh, is part of being human and really mm-hmm. important to um, sustaining life. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, so we do a big butcher day and we get out there and we do all the harvesting and yeah. we have feathers everywhere and get them all in the freezer. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually love, like, the killing part is very hard, obviously, yeah. but I love the process of cleaning and putting everything away. I love being outside and having this really mm. primal, um, it feels very sacred. It feels mm. mm-hmm. like a prayer to mm. be taking care of these animals and to be honoring them and to be using all the parts of them and not discarding it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and not caring for that. So I love those days um, as hard as they are and intense as they are. I love um, just that experience. I feel very connected to my ancestors, and mm. I feel just, um, it's like it's a beautiful ritual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you talk about that, and I've had other people on who've talked about harvesting days, and mm-hmm. um, it makes me think uh, I have a very distant relationship with meat. I mean, in terms of like really most... I'd say 99.9% of the time it's in some kind of packaging from a grocery store. Yeah. Um, I'm not like proud or ashamed one way or the other. It's just how it is. Uh, But my husband and I spent a good amount of time in Italy and we were working on farms and we went to a place in the Dolomite mountains that was so beautiful. It really looked like Switzerland. I mean, it was just gorgeous. 
And the place was a goat farm, and we chose it specifically because it was different than the other places we were, like, picking tomatoes or making apple jam or whatever. But this was goats, and we were interested in that. So mm-hmm. the first day, the day we arrived, they were harvesting the goats that they could no longer keep, okay. um, the males. And we literally had our backpacks and our bags and they said, okay, put that down. We need you to come up. And they were shooting them, which was really, I mean, I don't know, maybe that's a common way to do it. I just, I don't know what's common with all of that, but like, I just remember blood, blood coming down the little hillside by my shoes and, and looking at that blood. I mean, it's just, it doesn't get more elemental than that. So there is, there is, I think if, I think that the blood is something that we don't see, you know, we only ever really see it under our skin. We rarely see it in person. And so when you see it like that, it is ancestral and primal and elemental. And I wouldn't recommend, um, starting off at a goat farm on shooting day. Goats are hard. I feel like the bigger the animal, the harder it is. Yeah. So, yeah. Which is maybe why people are cool with fish. I've always wondered, like, yeah. why are there so many pescatarians? What is it about fish mm-hmm. that, I don't know, but that's it's just... a little more distanced from us. Like, yes. When you get into large mammals, that's feeling really close, and that gets yeah. uncomfortable. It is. It yeah. is getting close. Uh, one other thought that I had as you were talking is I, I do struggle with... I go back and forth ever since I was a child, I've had a hard time with animals dying so that we could yeah. eat them. I just, you know, I don't think, yeah. I don't think we'd be fully human if we didn't think about that. Right. Um, but we are part of the animal kingdom mm-hmm. and there is a strict hierarchy, the food chain. The, yeah. food chain. Right. the difference between us and the rest of the food chain is, a conscience. Mm-hmm. And so we struggle mm-hmm. with whether to eat other animals or not. And I think that's why there's that angst is mm-hmm. we're the only ones who think about it. Right. All the other animals don't think about it. Right. Um, they just do it. And so I, mm-hmm. I, it's good to give myself grace about that, that like, yeah. well, there's a reason this is really difficult. Yeah. Um, I care about other beings. Right. Um, but Kristen, I'm telling you, I'd say like three nights out of the week, I'm eating meat. So yeah. clearly I'm not, you know, it's not changing the way I live. It's yeah. just, ma- it makes me think all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think there's, there's something biological that kind of keeps us going back to that, even though we, we tend to, you know, judge ourselves, I feel like so yeah. much and just be like, I can't kill something to eat, but yeah. that's what nature is. I, and I, um, someone I read somewhere recently, like nature is a carnivore. Hmm. The earth hmm. thrives when it gets blood. Like, and that is really, <laughs> that's, that's really heavy. confronting. That's really hard to think about. Like, even if you are eating vegan food, you are still, something still died mm-hmm. in if it, if not in the farming of that food, you know, with combines killing tons of animals as they're yeah. going through the fields, um, just in what breaks, what's broken down in the soil. Yeah. You know, you, you can't escape that. And that's what I think, that's what it feels like to me. It's like an acceptance of that and an honoring of that cycle that we, you know, feel squeamish about or we have a hard yeah. time with. Um, I mean, I still go back and forth. Like, you know, is it, you know, will we have to always eat meat? Like, will there some time come where consciousness will evolve and we will, our bodies will no longer need that? I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I like to think that because I don't like the killing process. Yeah. I don't enjoy that. Um, but I really, yeah, just from an energetic standpoint, they're able to just transfer those nutrients from the it's sun. It's so fast. And yeah. It, well, yeah, it's, it's fast from them. They transfer from the sun. But then when we eat meat, it's yeah. so immediate, the oh, transfer, yeah. and it's oh, yeah. so dense. I don't know if you've heard about this big you know, raw liver trend. That's like, it's, it's I have, big. but I don't know a lot about it. So if you ever feel like being brave. <laughs> <laughs> nope, 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 nope. <laughs> I can see where this is like, going. No, thank you. I am not brave, but continue, please. <laughs> um, so I'd take raw liver. 
I took it almost every day during pregnancy. Like capsules? Well, you can do it in the capsules, or if you get it, if you want to get real, real, <laughs> real down to earth, real earthy with it, I get beef liver from a local farm, a yeah. place out in Cayucas, and um, I take it from the freezer while it's still kind of frozen and let it thaw a bit, chop it up really fine, and I put it in orange juice, and I just drink it down. Like, you put it in orange juice? Yeah, you can hardly taste it. Does it kind of cancel the... Yeah. Because there's so much iron, and orange juice can kind of... It can kind, you know, the acid, the acid can kind just of covers it. Yeah. yeah, I feel like, and the texture is a little bit slimy, but it's not. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I just get you just get used to it oh, because sure. you feel amazing. How do you feel? You feel just like I, it's so hard to describe. Like your body has this different type of energy. Like mm-hmm. you feel stronger. You feel more relaxed. Like alert. You feel really nourished. Like. Yeah. Um, kind of the opposite for for me is like when I have just a salad for lunch and you're really like, I'm just going to have a salad. Yeah. And afterwards you're like, I need something else. <laughs> I know. know? So it's like yes. the opposite of that where you just are like, oh, I feel so good. Mm. It's just a sense of well-being. And I think I feel like the, the, the vibration of the animal really does affect it. So that's why it's important to me to get really well cared for yeah. liver. I wouldn't eat liver from a cattle lot yeah. animal um nor would our ancestors right right i mean they just exactly. didn't even have that they didn't the have option. access to that yeah 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 but, but yeah i took it during pregnancy and i felt so great and i didn't take it earlier on but i've heard stories of women saying it helped their morning sickness so much yeah um helps with just so many just everything because it's supporting your body on a really deep level yeah on a deep level and if you think about it in nature when an animal is killed what do they go for immediately what do they go for? The liver? Liver. Immediately. Oh, really? Liver, heart, kidneys, those are all like the most nutrient-dense parts of yeah. the animal. So learning how to cook those organ meats has been a big thing for me too. And just getting over the ick factor yes. because we're, we're raised that all those things are disgusting. Yeah. And so learning how to appreciate those and, and how to use them in ways that are, are really delicious and yeah. nourishing. And it's not... It's not necessarily something... I feel like I've taken it super slow because there are times when when I first read that book that I was talking about, that cookbook, Nourishing Traditions, and she's talking about cooking all these things, and I was just like, oh, no. Yeah. Well, that's full frontal, right? Yeah, you need to like, go slow. Well, can't do that. So just kind of... I've just been like gradually, you know, trying different things. We got some rabbits from our friends... Um, can't think of her farm's name at the moment hmm. um but they had these beautiful rabbits that they raised and they cared for them so mm-hmm. just beautifully and uh I, I ordered a few from her before she harvested and then she br- brought me the livers and I made this pate from them yeah it was unreal yeah and I since learned I didn't know this at the time that rabbit liver is is it like creme de la creme yes. yeah like way better than chicken liver which is what I was you yeah. know used to, we usually get they were just, it was amazing. It was so good. Mm. I, you said something about, uh, you know, getting over what we've been taught or what mm-hmm. we've learned. So much of what we learn in terms of like mores and just uh, yeah, like the ethics mm-hmm. is so unhelpful. You know, I'm just thinking, oh, I wish I could eat free and clear without even thinking of it. I wish I could eat liver like that mm-hmm. or um when you, it's when you said heart and I was like I'm shivering <laughs> I wish I could do that because honestly it would be so helpful if I could mm-hmm. I just I, I mean like so many of us I was raised um in uh you know a really oh gosh I almost said the wrong word what am I trying <laughs> to say like in a in a, a, a traditional household yeah like, you know, almost everybody I know was, mm-hmm. um, I didn't have parents who, um, had ever experienced, you know, real farming mm-hmm. gardeners for sure, but not, you know, a full operation. Yeah. And I don't even know that those who went before them did. So we are just super, super generationally distanced from that right. and buying chicken breasts in a package of like six is, um, if you use your mind to think about it, that's so unnatural, but Mm -hmm. that's really over time. You can, it's like a, a, 
a frog boiling in hot water. You know, it's yeah. slow and they don't even realize it's happening. I have yeah. no frame of reference in terms of um, making contact with the whole animal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wish that I, I kind of wish that I did. Also for food waste purposes, mm-hmm. if we valued those, all the parts of the animal, right. it would be so much better on so many levels. Uh, but that's, I'm not a nose to tail girl. I, I want to be, <laughs> I have the intention to be, but it's slow going. Like you said, have you ever had bone marrow? If I did, I didn't know it. Okay. <laughs> Who has a food podcast and writes about food and doesn't try all have this? Have you ever had any organ meats? I feel like you've probably been to some amazing restaurants. I have, but that's not always what I order. Okay. Let me think. I've had... I mean, I've had sausages with some crazy stuff in it. And sausages yeah. are a great way, I yes. think, to introduce that. They're the gateway awful, yeah. right? <laughs> the gateway drug. <laughs> um, and I've had, for sure, pate. I worked in a restaurant in New Zealand that pate was like the number one thing. And terrines, oh, you know, wow. with lots of um, liver mousse and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've eaten... Well, see, like I've eaten snails and I've eaten frogs and I've eaten oh, yeah. different things. But as far as the big mammals, like you said, I really have a lot of, it's it's tied up in me. I, I'm not ready. Yeah. Brains, that it's, kind of thing. Yeah. It's hard. Well, and I'm a big believer in the mind-body connection. And if you are eating something that you have a real strong resistance to, mm. You can often develop, you know, food poisoning symptoms or just like other things in your body because your system is really not ready and not prepared for that. So like not rushing yourself and honoring, you know, that and trying to be patient with yourself and realize I'm not ready for this, you know, and Mm -hmm. just as you learn and as you change, you know, allowing that if it, if you feel. Just like keep the door open. Always with the intention of keeping the door open. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, change is hard. Not just for me. I mean, think about what I'm trying to undo here. So many hundreds of years of people not touching it like that. So, you know, and I think of trauma that way too, not to go too far off, Mm -hmm. but. There's a lot, I mean, we've, we've done a lot. We've had a lot done to us. I mean, as human beings, and it takes a lot of time for that consciousness to undo the harm that's been done. You've had six babies. And Mm -hmm. I remember when I had my babies, what do they always say at the, at the baby shower when you're like, I'm huge. They say you took, it took nine months for you to get Mm -hmm. here. Don't freak out if it takes you nine months to a year to, you know, come back to your whatever pre-baby body. Yeah. And you and I both know it doesn't or really longer. fully happen. <laughs> Is there such a thing as getting back? <laughs> but it takes, you can't expect things to change in a moment mm-hmm. or in a generation even. It takes a long time. Yeah. And we really, in our, I feel like in our culture, our day and age, we want immediate results and we judge totally. ourselves so quickly we're so quick mm-hmm. to be like why am I not bouncing back why am I not losing weight why am I not willing to do this thing and that to me is so so important is just you know understanding and having grace for ourselves and realizing that everything that we're going through is just part of the process and part of mm-hmm. the growth and and putting these expectations on ourselves you know even with like trying to eat um trying to cook more food from scratch. I find this yeah. with a lot of women that interact with me on my Instagram. Mm-hmm. There's so much, I, I feel like we do it out of guilt so much. Yes. Like I ought to be making mm-hmm. more meals for my family. I shouldn't be eating out so much. I shouldn't be buying frozen food or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that to me just kills so much of your joy. Yeah. There's no love in it then exactly. if it's just a should. Yeah. It's just yeah. a fear-based response. It's just like, well, I'm afraid that I will be a bad mother. I'm afraid my children won't be healthy or whatever it is. And that pervades your whole experience and your whole, the whole way that you nourish your family. And so I, that's a really big deal to me is doing what you can and but but not stressing yourself out over it because you're only compounding <laughs> any yeah. problems. It's not helpful. You're not helping anything if mm-hmm. you're exhausting yourself trying to cook everything from scratch when you're not really at that point where you're ready to do that, where it's really yeah. easy for you, you know? Yeah, one, one, maybe one meal at a time. How's that? Right. 
If right. you only cook one all week, yes, awesome. Maybe you'll cook one and a half the next week. As I'm saying this, though, you know I'm struggling. Like I, I, I just have all that same guilt. And as the kids get older, especially, and you know, you would think that when they were little, their needs are so uh, great. They're mm-hmm. so great, and they're so like. Uh, bodily and physical you need to hold them you need to pick them up you need to put them down you need to nurse them or feed them them. change them exactly Mm -hmm. soothe them and I would have thought that it would be uh less time consuming now but it's really time consuming now because they need it's a different kind of a need changes it's not less or more yeah yeah I feel that so I'm less in the kitchen than I used to be, and I'm tired. Yeah. Um, so I've I've had to actually even say that to myself, like make one meal today, and if you do, just like make it something that will feed you. Mm-hmm. Like you said about the salad, I, I feel like even just a few years ago, a salad was fine, mm-hmm. and now I like need to be fed. Yeah. So I'm yeah. all. <laughs> I, I sometimes I'll tell my husband. Just I I just want to be fed. Like I want to mm-hmm. submit to a meal, and it doesn't have to be fancy. It just has to be. It just has to have um, some some bulk and and yeah, the substance. Substance. That's the word. Yeah, yeah. It's really gonna nourish you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you um, with cook like a lover. I mean, tell me about mm-hmm. that name. How, where does where does that come from? <laughs> I don't know. It just came to me one day. I think I was trying to think about what am I trying to communicate with these offerings? And it was really just, I just want to, you know, share love for food and Mm -hmm. not doing it out of this fear, you know, and, and I love the idea of, um, just being in the state of, of being with a lover. Mm -hmm. You're so excited you're so in you're so focused you're so Mm. you know in enjoyment that you don't have to worry about not doing things perfectly Mm. that's what kind of my my idea behind it is is not perfection not um you know any unattainable standards but just really enjoying not only the food but also the process of cooking the food and that can be also a spiritual experience just Mm -hmm. like you know, um, t- taking the lives of our animals. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's really just getting in this flow state of, you know what to do with the food. Yeah. And that's what the skill base is. That's what I'm focusing on. With like, let's build some skills like mm-hmm. so that you know really how to take care of this meat. You know what it needs. You know how to flavor it. And then you can just have fun. Once you have that set of skills, you can just really allow yourself to be immersed in the experience. Yeah. Senses. So, senses yes, alive. Sense, yeah, it's a sensual experience. And yeah. so that's kind of where, I, I don't know, Cook Like a Lover just popped into my head one day and mm-hmm. I was like, that's really what I want to um, focus on and, and center it around. So, I remember first seeing your, your site, but also the brazing preview that mm-hmm. you put up. Mm-hmm. Um, and you made mention of, you know, I'm trying to help people be present with what they're making. And one of the best ways to do that is to move away from recipes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, you yes. spoke to me because I am such a recipe. I'm, I'm like, recipes have a leash and a collar mm-hmm. on me. I really do use yeah. them. But I found that the stuff that I've, you know, the recipes that I've memorized now, because I do them a thousand times, mm-hmm. um, I can be more present with it. Mm-hmm. So I love that you're trying to teach people basic foundational things like braising. Mm-hmm. Um, and how has that been going? How was that first one received? Really well. I got some really great feedback, mm-hmm. um, but I don't have like a huge following yet. And so I'm just trying to like build some products that, you know, as my account grows, they're there and they're creating some interest, some income as hopefully. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So 
it's it's not like a huge it wasn't a huge launch but Mm -hmm. i'm really excited about where it will go in the future yeah for sure and doing digital content that lives out there and you don't have to do anything right is a cool concept that was the idea because my time is so limited i have so many people that need things from me so if i can have something generating income Mm -hmm. that i don't have to be doing all the time yeah like I, I I actually am going to start doing one-on-one sessions which I'm really excited about yes um and that is going to be called cook like a mother <laughs> oh, I love that I do too so um and that's mm. gonna be kind of it's I'm focusing on women my market is women because women are generally mm. the ones who care for the nourishment in their families mm-hmm. right so working with women on um kind of setting themselves up for success Mm-hmm. And cooking more food at home as they're ready to. And kind of talking about, you know, what are your challenges in the kitchen? What do you yeah. feel stuck by? What do you feel frustrated with all the time? Um, helping people just kind of have a, a better sense of confidence and peace mm-hmm. in their kitchen. You're like a kitchen with, therapist. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Without menu planning. So, like, I have always had the biggest aversion to, like, planning menus. Same. It like I hate it. Yeah, so bad. same. I don't like it when people tell me. And also, there's so much waste with it, or you're eating kind yes. of the same thing in yes. six different ways. And I don't know. I yeah. Just, yeah, I feel like, and then it doesn't work out, and you throw away all these ingredients that mm-hmm. you bought specially. And and I just really have always resisted that, and always I always felt so guilty about that. Like yeah. I see these really frugal moms like mm. planning out every single meal and feel, and I'm just I always like thought there was something wrong with me because I hated it so much and so I finally have come to a point of recognizing that's just not me and maybe Mm -hmm. that's a lot of other people too and we don't have to do it that way there are ways that you can set yourself up to have the ingredients on hand to make the things that you want to make without buying fancy stuff without having to scroll google for recipes Mm -hmm. every week or spend Mm -hmm. your whole Sunday evening trying to plan everything Mm -hmm. you know if that works for you and you really enjoy that awesome yeah but for people like me that was just like killing all the joy and I hated it yes it does kill the joy I do I I, since things have gotten so complex in our calendar I on Sunday afternoon I get the laptop out the lap same laptop I've been on all week long (laughs) I pull it out and I have two different sheets one is the shopping list and it's you know everything ordered by department because it just helps me make sure I get everything Mm -hmm. the list of the meals which I used to absolutely eat up the time I loved planning meals Mm -hmm. and now I kind of dread it um I swear COVID did some of this to me um (laughs) And then I have a weekly schedule. What's happening Monday? What's happening Tuesday? So-and-so needs to be picked up this day. dropped off this day. Um, Mama has a consumed interview on this day at this time. That kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really austere. And it's lacking in excitement. So will you do me a favor and just do some kitchen therapy with me right now? I would love to. Ask me some of the questions you would on a one-on-one. I'm putting you on the spot. All right. (laughs) This is good practice because I haven't actually done it. Well, let's just see. Okay. So what do you feel is your biggest hang up in creating the meals that you want to create for your family? Is it time? Is it Mm. finding the right ingredients? Is it deciding what to make? It's deciding what to make um, and I have an especially difficult, I have a celiac okay. and I have two vegetarians. Okay. okay. And then me who I don't love putting a lot of sugar in things. Okay. So, okay. um, anyway, but those are the, those are the moving pieces on the board. Yeah. So deciding what to eat. I want, I want vegetables all the time. Yeah. I want like a to me, a satisfying, nourishing meal is some kind of like a sheet pan, um, bone-in, skin-on chicken thighs, mm-hmm. you know, where they get crispy. And then maybe like some kind of melange of different vegetables. And then you bring it out and you put herbs on it and you serve it with a salad and like a loaf of sourdough. Sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, so-and-so doesn't eat meat, and so right. there's no protein in that meal. Right. Um, and so-and-so doesn't eat uh, 
bread so there isn't enough, say, filler in mm-hmm. that meal. Mm-hmm. So what I wind up doing a lot of the time is something I don't love, which is like rice, chili. I mean, it's hor- it's boring. It's mm. so boring. Some kind of vegetarian chili and like a baked potato, which is just not moving the needle for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I feel like that's a tricky one, and I haven't really gone into like food restriction things because that makes a whole different whole different set of issues for you to deal with because you're trying to decide mm-hmm. on so many mm-hmm. different levels. Yeah. But I think if you could maybe what if you had like think of a few meals that work mm-hmm. that have the right elements, you know, mm-hmm. that are like, this satisfies this person and this... And like excites me. Right. Yeah. And then you kind of take that framework mm-hmm. and switch it up really in, in just like the flavorings or maybe the preparation where mm-hmm. you're, you're, base, you're getting the same basic ingredients the like potato and same. meat or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're just kind of altering it on a really micro level. Mm-hmm. Does that feel like that would be? Yeah, that could be really good. Um, so like sheet dinners are, they can be so good. Yeah. One of my favorites is, um, uh, it's red cabbage shredded, not super skinny, but mm-hmm. kind of like roughly shredded. And then, and it's laid out on the pan and then um, just baby potatoes mm-hmm. cut up, olive oil, salt, and pepper. Just rub, I just use my hands, rub it all over everything, mm-hmm. and I throw that in the oven for like 20 minutes and then pull it out and put really good like artisan sausages on top, mm-hmm. poked, you know, poked um, sausages. Put it back in for another 20 minutes, and then when it comes out, I put parsley on top, and it's just beautiful. It's green, oh, yeah. purple, red, white. Beautiful. Yeah, and everybody here likes that, and I use vegetarian sausages for kids. Yeah. yeah. So if I could, like, have a brassica, like cabbage, right. and some kind of a meat, chicken thighs, mm-hmm. sausages, mm-hmm. and some kind of a carbohydrate in there. Right. That's what you're saying is like, just use that formula. Exactly. Like what are the key elements here? For me, it's like protein, carbohydrate, fat. Yeah. And, or, and a vegetable, you know, how can I, um, just sort of shift those around and just keep those things that I know I'm going to use on hand. So I don't even write a shopping list anymore. I just always keep the same things Mm -hmm. in my pantry and in my freezer. And when I go to the market and I see something that looks good, you know, there's a variation there, but, um, that way you're not having to buy different things for different recipes. Um, also what about soups? Do you guys do soups very much? We like do. a vegetable based? Well, especially now as the weather is getting cooler, I yeah. have a really hard time making soup in summer. Yes. Like it just doesn't feel appetizing to me. But yes, vegetable soups. Um, yeah. And then you could just do like a little protein on the side. Or? Yep. I made a wild rice, uh, mushroom, kale, uh, an uh, fall soup that was so good this past oh, week. We all liked good. it. And so I'm kind of hanging on to that. Yeah. And it has carbs in it. You know, that wild rice is so nutty and yes. so chewy. Yeah. Um, so that was a win. Yeah. And then you could also, you just add some protein to yours if you wanted. Yep. You know, or give bread to the people that, <laughs> that can eat the bread. Me. <laughs> this is me. There you go. Oh my gosh. Bread all day. <laughs> oh, I know. I love bread. So yeah. Good. Oh. Well, that's good. That's a good formula. And when you say you don't even need a shopping list, you can just go because you pick up something that looks good. Like maybe pears look and smell amazing. Right. So you grab those. But to have that stuff here permanently mm-hmm. sounds so great. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I just keep, you know, I know what, what, what sort of flavors I like to create and mm-hmm. I just have the spices you know, the flavorings, the soy sauce, whatever it is that you know you're going to use. And whenever that runs low, I do, I do have like a running list that I add to, like I'm I'm running low on this, but I don't make special lists, I guess is Mm -hmm. what I mean. Um, and those things are just always there. And really when you don't need a lot of different ingredients to create like an endless variety of 
flavors and combinations. Yeah. You, I feel like that that's where, for me, the creativity comes in and mm-hmm. there's so much fun in, okay, I have these things. Mm-hmm. What am I, it's like that chop show, right? Like you get yeah. like these things, these items, what are you going to create and how can you put them together <laughs> creatively? You have gochujang, brown sugar, <laughs> um, uh, peppermint, Patty. Yeah. <laughs> I actually did this thing on my Instagram a while ago where I just said, what are three things that you have in your refrigerator? And I'll think, see if I can think of an idea yep. to, you know, what you can do together. And it was so much fun because yeah. you can just, I feel like that, that actually, that limiting of your options actually inspires greater creativity yep because it's not just like wide open you can do anything like I love project runway and I, I crack <laughs> up because the, the the challenges where they're really specific like yeah. you have to create this particular thing so many of the designers like thrive yes. and then when it's like a wide open challenge like whatever ex- you you feel as a designer expresses your brand and they all freak out and yep. like fall apart because it's it's just the, having that focus of that limitation, I feel like, just need spark, sparks your creativity in a different yeah. way. Yeah. It's discipline, too. You, we need that kind of, we need to be hemmed in mm-hmm. by certain limitations. I really do think so. Yeah. That's, um, when I was in college, I studied music composition, and when <clears throat> the instructor would give us, you know, limitations on what we could do in our mm-hmm. pieces, I remember one time it was, you have to use a marimba, a saxophone, uh, and maybe like a clarinet and a pentatonic scale, which is five notes. Yeah. And it was like, oh my God, what are you doing to me? I'm not going to write anything I like. And it became this challenge yes. that was, we need we need rules like that. Yeah. We really do. Yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah. I still have recordings of those pieces that were performed and they were the best ones you know yeah yeah I love that I forgot that we have the music in common I know we sing together in the master chorale I know that was so you're an alto right soprano oh gosh you're a soprano that's right first soprano yeah a first soprano (laughs) when did you first start singing in college actually um my college choir was singing Handel's Messiah and Hmm. our director wanted to have people from the choir do the solos and he was like you know let me know if you want to audition and I was just like oh my I could never do that and the girls around me were like elbowing me like you have to try out and I was like okay because I was super shy and so I did and I got one of the solos and um after that um I had people encourage me to take voice lessons Mm -hmm. and that just got me going from there. So I always had, I always played instruments. I played violin and piano and cello. So it was, you know, singing was like a piece of cake relatively because you earn so much more control of your, I, I, I mean, different, it's, it's harder in a different way because it's so much more of yourself is exposed. So I feel like it was a lot more nerve wracking. It makes me break out in hives to think of doing that. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely scary most of the time, but yeah. if I was doing it regularly, you get used to it, and then it was really fun. Yes. But. Will you come to the Messiah sing? Um, I, I usually try to come. Good. I would love to. Good yeah. because this. So this episode will come out December first, and then December seventeenth is the Messiah sing along at okay. the Performing Arts Center. So, oh, fun. Uh, yeah, and that's really really fun. But yes, yeah. just like that, limitations on things make them more exciting and and along those same lines when we had free reign to just compose with anything and whatever we wanted we'd often wind up um like kind of mimicking other things or repeating like it was just redundant these pieces sounded like they could have been anybody's but when we had those limitations they were really we Mm, owned them I love that yeah so beautiful and that's making me think of like I wonder if we don't appreciate that in our lives when we have certain limitations mm-hmm. on us and we tend to think that that makes us stuck mm. when maybe that's where our greatest growth and possibility for creativity lies. Like, how can I make this situation work? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and think about all of our ancestors who had, I mean, I'm thinking you're Italian, so I'm thinking of the roots of like panzanella. Mm-hmm. Right. A bread salad where we're like, what on earth is that? And then you eat it and you're like, oh, this was born out of necessity and it is Mm -hmm. so good coaxing, coaxing flavor out of very few ingredients because they had nothing else. Right. 
Yes. And that's often, I, th- I feel like too, when you, that's when you create the most amazing meals when it's mm-hmm. like, I only have a couple things. And we were, I was at an Airbnb this last week with my mom and my sister and I brought a bunch of stuff just so we'd have some things. So we had babies with us and we didn't have to always be trying to get food. Mm-hmm. And I had a bunch of tomatoes and like just some basics. And I was so, I didn't end up doing this, but I was so inspired to just create like a simple tomato cream pasta. Cause oh, I had, I knew yeah. I had only brought these few ingredients and it just sounded so good and so comforting. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, it's just, God, I love pasta. I know. It's so good. What's your favorite pasta to make oh, or to eat or to eat? I will tell you mine. Tell me yours. I <clears throat> love bucatini with, um, an arrabbiata. I love oh. spicy, spicy. That's so good. Oh man, you made me doubting my decision. So like <laughs> my favorite, I think is linguine with my grandfather used to make this, um, this chicken tomato sauce called spitzat, which yeah. was, which is spicy. Mm-hmm. And it was, he would make it with these big pe- dried peppers and garlic. Oh. And then the chicken just sits in the tomato sauce. It's, yes. it's just, it's like rosemary, garlic, um, tomato and and like a little water and then the chicken and salt that's it it's like the most simple thing but those dried peppers oh, do peppers, they make it right i forgot because like, that's yes. such a critical that feels critical yes, to me that's the really big and and it yeah it cooks all day and the chicken's just like falling off the bone mm-hmm. and the sauce is so rich and oh it's so good so so good yeah. Yeah. yeah those are those are the foods that when i eat it i feel like all is well all is well with yeah, the world. It's so, oh, just gives you such a sense of well-being and like mm-hmm. connection, I feel like. And, yeah. Yeah. So tell me about these videos that you've been doing. They are so beautifully produced. Who's doing the oh, the work you. on that? So my brother is a professional videographer. Yeah, you can tell. And he, I know, I feel like I just like hit the jackpot. Yeah. It's worked out. And he, um, he lives up in Idaho now, um, mm. but he happens to be coming down to shoot a wedding when I was kind of in the concept phase of, of this, this offering that I was creating. And he was like, you know, I was like, would you want to like create, do a video for me? And, and he was so excited to do it. And he was so, so sweet to donate his time and do it for me. Mm-hmm. And he, I was thinking like, you know, when I'm creating a video, it's like an iPhone on a little stand. Yeah, and right. He came in it. Are my, my the kitchen looked like a movie set? You know, he had the got, big pop lights and yeah, everything. He yes. got all these lights and like five different cameras and like different angles, and it took him forever to set up. And <laughs> he had it all just amazing. And so um, it was, it was so cool. What I was so excited to see it. I was like, yeah. this does look, it looks like a movie. It doesn't yeah. even look. The lighting real. is everything. Yeah. It's everything. And is that your kitchen? That's early my it's kitchen. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. We talked about doing it in like a, you know, really nice fancy kitchen mm-hmm. somewhere with like marble so that it looked really you great. Would be and I was like, there. I really like to do it just in my kitchen because mm-hmm. I want it to be. Um, approachable and I want people to see that I'm doing this in a regular kitchen with Formica countertops yeah. <laughs> and a like last stop stove. Totally. You can totally do this in any circumstance. It doesn't have to be, you know, fancy culinary equipment. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, I wanted just that soul from my own kitchen to come yes. through. You know? Yes, totally. Well, I mean, hence, you know, we're sitting here, yeah, all the I Halloween decorations are on the counter. And <laughs> I love looking it, at the eyeballs. And I know it's just <laughs> good to be in your own space. Yeah, I think. Yeah, no yeah. no need to be with the marble, you yeah. know. Yeah, exactly. So what are your hopes with this um you know, it's educational. What are your mm-hmm. hopes with all of it? Do you want to do more of the um teaching videos? Um I don't know. I'm I'm kind of going back and forth with that. I've just been kind of feeling once I got that created, I have so much on my plate that I haven't had the time to really focus and decide yeah. what I want to do next. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to keep doing this um full time, but I have enjoyed it and I feel like this is kind of a stepping stone to something else, but I don't know what that is. Yes, I know that feeling. So, yeah. I'm just sort of like taking the next thing as it comes and be like yeah. I trust that the right thing is going to open up. I really enjoy speaking. I really mm-hmm. enjoy teaching. And um, I've kind of thought like to- toyed with the idea of a podcast or mm-hmm. some sort of, um, I don't know. I just love, um, I really enjoy that. So kind of trying to figure out how to 
do that in a way that lights me up. That's not just like, okay, I have to make another one now. I want it to come from something that I'm really excited about. So learning how to listen and notice, you know, is taking me forever to get going on this project. So Mm. maybe I don't actually want to do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And with both of these, it's like once the inspiration struck and I got a real sense of what it was going to be, I just took off and I couldn't stop working on it. Right. And I love that feeling of like, I will fit it in all the nooks and crannies because I want to do it so badly. It's like flow state. Yeah. 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 Well, and you mentioned that you're doing the Mm one-on-ones is is happening. So if somebody was listening to this and they wanted you to come and help them in the kitchen, Mm -hmm. you would do it. Yeah. Well, I I just would probably do over Zoom or like a phone call and just like talk about, yeah, what what you're going through and what you're having trouble with and kind of... Yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't really worked it out because I haven't actually done it yet. So yeah. um, my idea originally was to create a course that was going to be called Cook Like a Mother. And I may still do this at some point, mm-hmm. which is kind of going through the different steps. So like how to set up your kitchen, how to source yeah. your food, how to um, plan without planning. That was kind of the idea, like meal plans without planning, because yeah. I hate that so much. So <laughs> how can you you know, set yourself up for a stress-free, enjoyable feeding your family Mm -hmm. experience because moms have so much on their plate. Yeah. Yes. And I feel like we, we always want to make, you know, food like another big thing that we have to deal with. And so how can we make this as easy and as simple and requiring as little brain Mm -hmm. as necessary to automate this thing as much as possible. Exactly. Just make it into something that flows easily Um, so that you can really focus on what you want to be focusing on, Mm -hmm. you know, because unless you're like a super foodie like me, you probably don't want to be thinking about food all the time. You want to be being with your kids and you want to be doing other things. Yeah. So how can you make this, um, really come into a state of confidence and like, I got this Mm -hmm. in my pocket because that I feel like is such a powerful thing for, for your life when Mm -hmm. you don't feel constantly overwhelmed and, um, like behind or, you know, stuck in, in the, in one area of your life is, I feel like food is a really central one, but it applies to so many different things. When that one piece is working smoothly, it just flows out into everything else, right? Mm -hmm. Then everything else is more peaceful. Everything else Mm -hmm. is, um, just works better. Yeah. Yes, it's true. So a little bit of effort and you can really reap the benefits for sure yeah exactly well if you were going to celebrate your last day on earth and you Mm. were like you know what I've just done such a good job of living my life (laughs) raising six kids teaching people how to cook um and to make the most of their time Mm -hmm. what would you eat as your final meal and what would you drink and who would you be with oh man so I haven't had the opportunity to go to Europe, which is where I would love to go and eat or New York Mm -hmm. or something like that, or LA even. But, um, I think right now I would probably go to spoon trade because that is my like very favorite. That's the place where I go, where I feel like I'm in the most, the most present state. And I just like close my eyes and enjoy the food because I just love it so much. So I would probably say there with, um, oh man, all my family and probably, yeah, probably just my immediate family and mm-hmm. getting to see them enjoy it. Yeah. And what was the other thing? What are you drinking? Oh, what are you drinking? Mm, probably. So I love, I didn't know this about myself. I love really good wine. I don't like cheap <laughs> wine and I always had really cheap wine my so whole life. So you're like, I don't like wine, but then you tasted good exactly. stuff. Exactly. I was yeah. always like, wine, meh. Yeah. Don't take it, leave it. And then I went on a, my sister and I went up to Paso and uh, did a a wine flight at a winery. And I was like, oh. Yeah, there we go. This is why people spend money on wine. Mm -hmm. Now I get it. So I don't know a lot about wine and I don't know the difference between a lot of them, but I know when I have really good wine. Yes. So (laughs) So so for that final meal, somebody needs to blow your mind with a beautiful bottle of wine. Okay. I have a feeling the people at the spoon trade could do that for you too. Yeah. I love them. They're so great. I do too. Totally. And you're not the only person to say that they want their final meal there. Really? It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Kristen, thank you for taking time to talk to me about just your thoughts on, um, on the food chain and on um, how to eat like an ancestral, you know, one of our ancestors and yeah. 
and everything that you're doing out at your place. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. Thanks so much for listening to the Consumed Podcast, which is now in its 15th season. Hard to believe. If you have suggestions for guests, questions, or comments about the show, please contact me via my website, letsgetconsumed.com. While you're there, sign up for the newsletter, buy a little consumed pin, or download live episodes. On Instagram, I'm at consumed.podcast. Consumed is produced by me, Jamie Lewis, and edited by Chris Lambert. Until next time, thank you for listening.